everything ch changes for Christmas services next week, uh, to think about friendship because this is the time of the year when we particularly focus on friendship. It's when many of us will have many different social gatherings to go to. We'll have different office parties to attend and social events happening and inviting neighbors around. And there's a big emphasis upon friendship at this time of year, which is great. But the thing that we're going to claim this morning, the thing which John is going to emphasize from what Paul writes to his friends in Colossae, is that it is the gospel that provides the best and surest foundation for friendship. That if you want to find friendship, if you want to find meaningful friendship, friendship which is enduring and powerful, strong, then it's best found in the gospel. That's what these letters say. That's what we believe. That's what's going to be proclaimed this morning. Let me pray, and then John will come and bring God's word to us. Jesus, thank you so much. As we come to this end, end of this series, for all the things that we've learned from these ancient letters, which are so, st still so relevant to us here in 21st century Britain. Lord, thank you. As we finish today, we're going to think about this theme of friendship, and I pray that you would help us to to uh, grasp what is being said and to apply it in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you have made it possible for us to be friends with God, that because of your death, you're paying the penalty of our sin. You've removed the veil that stood between us and God, and we are now able to be called friends of God. And as friends with God, we're able to find true friendship with one another on the foundation of the gospel. And I pray that we get a greater revelation of that this morning. I pray you'd anoint John as he speaks. I pray his words would be effective in our hearts. I pray, Jesus, we'd be encouraged and blessed by what we hear this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's welcome John. Amen. Thank you, Matthew. Well, as Matthew's already said, this is a, a time of many social engagements and uh, friendship. Whose Christmas jumper has already been out this year? Fantastic. Um, who, who doesn't own a Christmas jumper? Ooh, that's quite a high proportion. Um, so some of us will, will love all the, um, the parties and the, the friendships and the, and, and the gatherings. Others of us um, find the Christmas thing all, all a bit much. Um, but whether you love it or not, um, as Rich mentioned, we've got opportunities coming up with carol services. This is an excellent opportunity to, to invite friends um, along. Also, just to say, for our family carol service next Sunday at 5 o'clock, um, as part of the story, there's an opportunity for kids to um, come dressed as angels or shepherds or wise men. Um, primarily aimed at kids, but grown-ups too. If you want to come dressed as an, an angel or a shepherd uh, or a wise man, Rich is already dressed as a wise man here, so you can um, emulate him. Um, so that's uh, next Sunday at 5 o'clock, the family carol service. You can wear it too to the traditional carol service as well, if you like, um, as you desire. So we're looking at... Um, Gospel-founded friendships this morning, just to close out this series on Colossians and Philemon. And what we're going to be looking at this morning is some of how do we live this out, and, and what do we do in the everydayness of, of life? Because sometimes we can see the pictures of, like we can read of, of Acts 2, of um, the believers in the New Testament being together, sharing um, fellowship, the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, it, it seems a very idealistic picture. So how do we actually live this out? How do we live out gospel-founded friendships? Well, we're going to start by reading the, the end of Colossians chapter 4. So if you turn in your Bibles, the, the church Bibles, this is page 1185. 
uh, we're going to look at, at the end and, and see here that this big, big chunk of the, the letter to Colossians is devoted to a list of friends. So we're just going to have a, a quick look at, at what Paul says at the end of his letter to the Colossians. Um, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from, La- from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you, have com- you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So what I want us to see from this, this passage at the end of Colossians that Paul is writing, that there are many different kinds of people. We see Paul mentioning men and women, those who are in prison, those who are free. We see that there are Jews and Gentiles mentioned. There's a great variety of people, but there's real unity in Jesus. We see the deep affection. He, he talks of um, uh, Tychicus. He is a dear brother. There's great deep affection there for the relationships that, that he has. There's a shared myth, mission with Epaphras, wrestling in prayer. Also speaks of sharing letters with the other church, the church in Laodicea. So we see in just this, this short passage that they are sharing lives, that they are standing together in challenge, and their focus is on mission together. We're also to see that These are not nameless individuals. These are real people. They are real friends and real purpose. It's been very easy just to to chop this off and think, actually, why do we need to know these things? Why do we today in the 21st century need to know of these different people? Well, it's important for us to know that the Bible is written into a living context. It's written not into an abstract situation, but God is speaking through Paul to normal people like us and about normal people like us. This isn't a a different class of people. And so what Paul is saying is relevant to us as well, and we need to pay careful attention to it. Because church life is about people. Church life is about people. And this is both a joy and a challenge because there are people like, like you and me around, and we are not perfect people. This is a messy situation, but it is a powerful situation. I heard a talk a few weeks ago on living out 1 Corinthians 13, on showing love. And in that, um, the guy speaking said, our calling is divine. 
we have a high purpose, a high calling, sending, bringing the gospel into the world. But relationships are human. <clears throat> calling is divine, but relationships are human. This is flesh and blood. People with different histories, different personalities and circumstances. There's Together, though, there is shared mission. Now, there's much we could say from, from these verses, but we're going to actually ground what we're looking at this morning in uh, Paul's other letter to Colossae. We're going to turn over a few pages to Philemon, which is on page 1200. So if you turn forward um, a few pages to, the, to 1200 and the book of Philemon. Uh, for those of you who, who like achieving things, we're going to read a whole book of the Bible um, this morning. That's always quite a, a good thing to, to be able to say. We're reading a whole book of the Bible together. So we're going to um, just read the first few verses. I'll, I'll work through this um, passage as, as we uh, work through this morning. So from verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, just by way, a moment of, of background of, of where, why Paul is writing this letter. This is probably written from Rome, which is about a thousand miles from Colossae. Paul is in prison. He's being attended to by friends. We've already seen of some of them that he mentioned at the end of Colossians chapter 4. And we see here that Tychicus and Onesimus, Matt, I hope I'm doing okay with the names. You know, sometimes it's like reading Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Like, it's fine when you're reading it, but when you say it out loud, it's like, I hope this is, hope this is okay. Um, so Tychicus and Onesimus are going back to Colossae, um, and they're delivering these, these letters. Again, we don't know much about these characters, and it's hard to piece exactly what is going on, but it's clear that Onesimus was with Paul in prison, and that relationship had, had grown. Again, again, we don't know exactly why or how this happened, but the traditional view is that Onesimus was a runaway slave from Philemon's household. So Paul is now writing to Philemon. Um, Onesimus would have been known to him. We're, we're going to um, find out a bit more about Onesimus uh, in a moment. Um, the thought is that he would have been um, from Philemon's household and, and fled, run away, possibly have, have stolen some money and have gone. We'll read later on in verse 16 that it's clear that Onesimus was a slave. But we don't know how he managed to bump into Paul a thousand miles away from home or how he did come to know Jesus. But this isn't the, really the, the central issue. The main thing we're to see is that Paul wants uh, Philemon to accept Onesimus as a brother. This is the main thrust through this letter. And just a, a quick note on, on slavery. This isn't, wouldn't be the, the slavery that we, are, we would picture. Um, slaves were usually treated much better than, than we would picture slaves. They would have been part of a household, and although you would have been owned by someone, you could actually have a much better way of life than otherwise would have been possible. So this would have been a good option for, for many people. And so liberation would not be so obviously good as we would expect it. But the key that we see throughout this, this um, book is that Philemon is to welcome him back. <clears throat> so... Paul is expecting complete forgiveness and reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. 
Now, this isn't straightforward to navigate because there will be a cost in negotiating the way through. We know that there has been a significant wrong, but Paul wants to see real restitution. And we can think that Paul could actually have been excused of wanting to brush this under the carpet. Anisimus was a thousand miles away from Philemon. Surely we could just keep them apart and not deal with this issue. No, gospel friendship is working for unity and resolution. While we don't know all that's going on here, there is plenty for us to apply about friendship. So the first thing I want us to see this morning uh, is that in gospel-founded friendships, we look for friends who are brothers and sisters, workers and soldiers. So we've we've read about Philemon, our dear friend, in in verse 1, and then verse 2, it speaks of um, Apphia and Archippus. Now, it's suggested that they may be husband, wife, and son. Again, we don't know for sure, but we can see that they were presumably a prosperous family because they had a church meeting in their home. There's the whole church there were included in the greeting. So what Paul is bringing to Philemon is not only a private matter just for, for Philemon. This is to be brought before the whole church. Because this is what happens. If there's relationship fallout amongst us, then it affects everyone. There's a lot of energy can be expended in working out who said or did what. There can be a pressure to, to take sides. And or you, you know that the feeling of two people who aren't getting on, and as soon as they're in a room together, you can feel the tension, can't you? A break in this relationship affects everyone in the community. But we see the affectionate terms that Paul uses to describe them. He's with Timothy, his brother. Philemon, a dear friend. Abphi is a sister. And Archippus, a fellow soldier. If you remember back to what we read in Colossians chapter 4, um, Paul says, see to it that you complete the ministry that you've received in the Lord. He's saying to, to him, you're a soldier, fulfill your commission. So these are gospel-founded friendships, and together we are family. This is a strong bond, but we need to, have, we need to work at it to stay together. It requires some fight for us to be alongside this is the challenge of sometimes the, the happy, ever, happy ever after image that is portrayed in films. So <clears throat> you'd have a couple coming together through adversity and then live happily ever after. after. And the, uh, the appearance is that there's never any fight or, or disagreements. Or it could be friends come through a tragedy together and live blissful lives in and, each out, in and out of each other's homes, again, never having an argument. And this is all fine. But this is an, an accurate rep- uh, representation of reality. To keep relationships strong, we need to be real and to know that it takes fight. It can be difficult at times. But in Christ, there is unity. And we need to live out this unity daily. As Paul is reminding us here, we are brothers and sisters together, part of the family, united in Christ. There is a strong bond. And we are soldiers alongside each other. We're in a battle. And God has placed us together to fight alongside, to, bring, to proclaim the victory of Jesus and work it out day by day. So we see there that um, friends who are brothers, sisters, workers, and soldiers. Next, I um, want us to see that gospel founded friendships, we're to see that we are friends who are partners. Let's read from verse 4. 
I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So we see that Philemon is embodying the the characteristics Paul has commended the whole church for. In Colossians 1, we we see that they're commended for their love for God's people and their faith in Jesus. Their love for God's people and their faith in Jesus. And Paul wants to, to partner with people like this. And for us, we're to be making that same ambition for us. Wouldn't it be great if that's what people said of, of Gateway, of, of, of us, that say that the things that characterize us are, is a real love for God's people. Something that is tangible, a love for God's people and faith in Jesus. Whether we have the best speakers or the best worship team or um, nice design work, we don't want that to be what people's impression is we want people to, to see our love for each other and faith in Jesus. And Paul's prayer is that Philemon will grow in this faith because of their partnership together. And it's as doing things together, as doing life together, as serving alongside each other, that as we do these things, this is when we grow. We build relationships. So it's serving on Sunday mornings. If we turn up early, staying late, serving teas and coffee, helping in the kids' work, it's doing these things that we serve alongside each other and we build partnership together. I've certainly noticed that as we've um, spent more time as a worship team, um, doing one week here, one week at our 502 site, and then one week uh, off not serving, doing more things together has really built our friendship, our partnership and hopefully our love for each other and faith in Jesus that we seek to encourage each other. So we t- as we spend time together, as we serve alongside each other, these relationships grow. I know also there's been um, a group of us, um, four of us, who've been regularly reading the Bible together, reading the Bible and then texting around thoughts uh, of how this, this verse has been impacting us and how we can pray um, each day. And so this has been so helpful in daily applying truth in daily praying, in, in daily seeing God at work. It says, as these things, as we choose to partner together, that we grow in love for God's people and faith in Jesus. It's so easy just to, to sit back and think, actually, life is too busy. But I encourage you to press in to serving, to partnering together. And it's also a privilege to partner not only amongst us here in Paul and Bournemouth, but we partner across the nation and the nations this is primarily worked out through our advanced uh, family of church- churches. We are partnering together across the nation, whether it be in Cheltenham, in London, whether it be in, in Glasgow, as we're going to be sending Ian and Lindsay next year. That, that is something that we're partnering with other advanced churches um, in the nations to, to be doing, or whether we're partnering with our friends from North Carolina, from South Africa and Kenya and beyond. It's a, a real privilege that we can be partnering with others and know that as we are building here, there are others who are working for the same gospel all over the world and in a variety of different contexts. I want there to be a genuine sharing in this mission together. Because if you, if you struggle to understand all the good things that you share in Christ, then I encourage you to get partnering 
to be praying for these different churches, you can go on the Advance website or look at the church's um, Facebook pages and say, what's going on? What can I be praying for? And get involved in this mission in a very powerful and real way. So Philemon's attitude and actions cause others to be refreshed. We read in verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing that um, Philemon's attitudes and actions could cause others to be refreshed. Some people, we can be walking down the street and you see them coming and, and your heart sinks. I mean, if we're, if we're honest, um, we're, we're, we're friends here. That, that, that is the, the situation. Um, like Adrian was saying last week, um, he had a, a friend who was out walking with his wife and saw the couple who were Christians over there and his heart sank and he tried his best to ignore them and pretend they weren't there, but there was too much eye contact and so <clears throat> they had to go over and talk. There'll be people like that we can see and think, oh, I really hope that I can get away with not having uh, a long conversation with this person because they leave me feeling completely drained. But... Philemon refreshes the heart of God's people. Isn't it wonderful to be that kind of person? Um, coming, coming to mind was uh, uh, I mean, uh, Derek over here. I always love coming uh, into church and seeing Derek or seeing him on the stream. Um, people who bring a lift by their expression, a warm greeting and a genuine care. So thank you for that, Derek. I really appreciate it. So we're to be those kind of people who, who refresh others. Thirdly, we are to be friends who don't stand on their rights but are easy to entreat. Friends who don't stand on their rights but are easy to entreat. Verse 8 says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love, is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for, to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I do not, did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor, favor you do will not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So again, we, we see we don't know the detail, all the details, but it seems that Philemon had rights over Anesimus. And whatever the details, Philemon was, was owed. Imagine... Um, Anesimus was an employee in a shop run by one of us, maybe uh, Les's pie shop. Um, Les is running a pie shop, and you think, Anesimus, um, he looks trustworthy. Um, I will trust him to, to cash up for, for a night, um, and, and that will be fine. But Anesimus wasn't trustworthy. He takes the money and runs and, and doesn't come back. Um, you don't want to get on the wrong side of, of Les and, and his pie shop in that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. <clears throat> so the the owner Les would be, would be right to be angry and is entitled to the money back and restitution. Paul doesn't ignore this, but he's appealing to Philemon's heart. He appeals on love. He appeals for his son. He appeals on the basis of a new relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. Onesimus is now a believer. Things have changed. 
The gospel is able to make brothers of a slave owner and slave, of an employer and an employee. Together, we are equal in the sight of God. We are uh, unified in him. And there shouldn't be anything that breaks this unity. Because the thing is, Paul has rights too. Verse 8, he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Even a, a thousand miles away, Paul could fling his authority around, but he chooses not to. He chooses to appeal. And this is a great example for us. Because we live in a rights-based contractual age. You think, I'm entitled to this, and I need to get what I am entitled to. But it's different with gospel friends. We think, I'm entitled, but, but so what? We're not going to do friendship on the basis of rights, because that really would be the end of friendship. Imagine you go out for a drink with a friend, and your friend pulls out a notebook and says, did you know that over the last few years, I have bought you 46 pints? But you have only bought me 39 pints over the year. So you need to get me the next seven, and then we're even. I think that's probably the last time you go out for a drink with that person, isn't it? We don't do friendship on the basis of rights. And so we need to look at ourselves and think, how soft-hearted are we? Are we easy to entreat? We're to be the kind of people that you can say anything to and won't take offense. That we can make appeals to one another. And it'll be easy to say, okay, in the gospel, I'm going to go with this. It's much easier to be friends with those who are easy to appeal to. And part of this down is down to the right gospel understanding. To know that of ourselves, we don't deserve anything but we've been given so much in Christ Jesus. To know that we were lost in our own sin, but we have been brought into relationship with God through the work of Jesus on the cross. We're to know that we know the King of all, that he knows us by name and we can call him Father. And this leads to a bigness of heart, a joyful generosity, and a freedom from focus on our own rights or protecting our name. It brings such security. Being soft-hearted doesn't mean that we are a soft touch. There's an evident robustness about Paul's friends and and interactions with them. He's happy to, to speak clearly and directly. But this does mean something better than my rights. Paul doesn't stand on his rights, and he doesn't expect Philemon to either. He expects a better outcome. Paul is expecting complete forgiveness and reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. It's costly, but this is what gospel friendship does. Number four, let's move on and see what Paul says next. Let's read from verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hands. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul here appeals to Philemon rather than demanding by right, but he's unembarrassed to make a big ask. Whatever Anisimus has done, it's clear that Philemon wouldn't naturally welcome him back with open arms. 
So Paul's big ask is welcome him like you would welcome me. He is here landing the letter where he began, saying you have a reputation for faith and love, for refreshing the saints. Let's see it. Let's see it. And this is the, the challenge for us as well. There's, there are many things that, that we know. If you've been a Christian for any, uh, any period of time, often the challenge isn't knowing what you should be doing. It's, it's living it out. Um, and so we can be encouraging each other in this way. Again, looking to the, the bigness of all that God has given in us becomes this question, will you live it out? The gospel does make demands of us. It asks big, thing, big things of us. But we're to know that Christ has done this for you. That you owe him your very self. So do the right thing. As elders, we may encourage you down certain paths for the sake of gospel living. And that's part of our role. But we are also a community together looking out for each other. Friendship in the gospel means that we make these kinds of asks at times. We might be saying to someone else, step up in generosity. Or to treat your wife differently to stop doing that, or to do this instead. Now, it's important that we do this with the right heart. We're not to be legalistic with each other, but standing together in love. And also, a good test is, would I prefer not to bring this up? Because some of us may have a delight in addressing something in someone else and pointing out what we think is out of place. This is likely to be a wrong motive. So we need to be those who are willing to help one another in living out this gospel life in love. We recognize here that this letter is to be read to the whole church. So this issue isn't just one, as we mentioned before, between um, Philemon and Onesimus. This is something for the whole community. Philemon is going to be kept accountable. And then finally, let's look at gospel founder friendships. Friends are to be op- who are optimistic. Friends who are optimistic. Let's read from verse 22. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristoc... Oh, there's always one name that slips you up. Aristarchus. Go on then. Aristarchus, thank you. Ellen, can you come with me to 502 to pronounce that one word? Um... Demas and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul is in chains. He's a thousand miles away, but he has an impressive attitude. The heart is, I'm coming your way. I'm coming to you. He and his friends seem a cheerful, positive bunch, despite their circumstances. They are in chains. They are in prison, but their spirits are not dulled. Optimistic friends are always welcome. But Paul's optimism is not just a personality. He's not just one of those naturally happy people that that bounces out of bed. It's rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he is with us, he empowers us, and we live for his glory. We also to notice here at the end of verse 25, your spirit, this is plural. Paul is talking to the, the whole church, not just to Philemon. He's saying that you're all going to need grace in this business with Anisimus and many other challenges that you're going to be facing over the course of the years as we seek to build church together. But to be gracious in spirit, be optimistic and cheerful and generous, 
Because the gospel proclaims that that is how Christ is towards you. So as we, um, as we come to a close, we are to be building gospel-founded friendships. It is a real privilege. It is such a privilege to be able to, to build church together, to do life together. I don't know if you ever step back and think, it's amazing that we get to, to do this. We get to live life in community. I'm so thankful that God has placed us here. And running through this has to be that we are, we are to go. We are to see more and more people drawn into knowing Jesus, enjoying him. It's never just to be, this is brilliant. Let's not invite anyone else in because this is, we're good as we are. The thrust always has to, has to go. It always has to be sending us. We'd love to keep Ian and Lindsay here rather than sending them to Glasgow because we like them. We like them being around. But because of the gospel, because of God's glory, we are going to send and keep sending and keep drawing others in. So we're to be thinking about how do we live this out with the people who are here amongst us, but also how can we be drawing other people in and bringing them to Jesus. So if you're a member here of of the church, these things um, should be happening, hopefully. It's gospel partnership. If you've been here amongst us for um, any amount of time, we should be drawing these things in together. If you're a regular but haven't stepped into membership, I encourage you to choose to press into this kind of friendship and say, yes, I'm fully committed in here. I'm going to be serving with these people. I'm going to be um, going through the ups and downs of life with those who are here. It may be here that this morning that you are, uh, you're not sure about the claims of Jesus and, and what that means for you. You may think, actually, I've got plenty of friends already. But my encouragement to you would be that the friendship you most need is with Christ, is with Jesus. He is the one that gives us hope, both for this life and for all eternity. The best friendships have Jesus right at the center, and we're to live gospel-founded friendships as we build church together. Can I invite you to stand as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we've been looking through what it means to be good friends and building relationship, we thank you that the initiation is with you. We thank you that we love because you first loved us. We thank you that we can have this unity together because, Lord Jesus, you came to this earth. You humbled yourself. You sacrificed. And we thank you, Lord, that this truth is not limited to us here in this place, but is to go out because you are worthy of praise. You're worthy of worshippers. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to make the big ask. You'd help us in these difficult conversations. You'd help us to be big-hearted even when it hurts, Lord God. But this can only come <clears throat> as we gaze on you, as we fix our eyes on you, and as we are filled with your truth. So, Lord, I pray when your truth live in our hearts, I pray... Won't your spirit be alive in us, helping us to live for you? We praise your name and give you glory. Amen. Amen.